Today we have what I call the hometown hero, Abe Kaufman on the show. Abe hails from Harrisonburg, Virginia, where there are rocks aplenty. A local Virginia native and a friend, he recently completed the 350-mile Trans-Northern Georgia, or TNGA, in one day, 15 hours, and 44 minutes, taking the new fastest-known time on the route. He works a full-time job at James Madison University and has a deep love for seeing how far and how fast he can go on the bike, all while keeping up with his self-care. Aside from TNGA, he currently holds the FKT for the Trans-Virginia route, the Massanutten Ring, Allegheny Mountain Loop 400, and the Rockstar Trail Route. In addition to his numerous FKTs, he came fourth at the 2022 edition of the Tour Divide, one of the most iconic bikepacking races out there. Let's get to the show with Abe and find out what his FKT attempt was like and how the mountains in Georgia treated him. Hey, Abe, we are so glad you're here. And where are you calling in from tonight? Uh, Good old Harrisonburg, Virginia. Oh my gosh. So you and Cynthia are like neighbors. Basically. Pretty much. Yeah. She's just down the valley valley. from me. The most wonderful valley ever. Do you guys ever ride together? Actually, Abe, we have literally not ridden together in like basically probably since we met. Oh, that's not true. We've done a few rides together. Okay, a few group okay rides. maybe, but it's been a long time. It has been a long time. Too long. We need to, we need to fix we that. We did get to see each other last week, though. We had coffee with a with some friends. Yeah. So that was nice. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Well, I understand you just got an FQT on uh, the Trans Northern Georgia. Is that correct, Abe? Correct. Yeah. And that was attempt number mm-hmm. two. Yes. The first one did not go so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a little but. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I think just to give folks a little bit of an intro on who you are, um, I know you've been riding bikes for years. You're previously more into technical mountain biking, as Cynthia shared with me, but I'd love to learn just like a little bit more about what your cycling background is. And then in addition to cycling, like what does life look like outside of bikes? Sure. Yeah. So I started um, mountain biking back in 2007 when I got my first office job. I uh, have always loved being outside, loved being in the woods, and uh, realized pretty quickly when I got a job behind a desk that I had to find (laughs) a hobby or an activity that got me outside in the woods. And so I'd say within the first week of being behind a desk, I went out and bought a mountain bike from Target. Oh, my gosh. uh, Oh, my gosh. uh, What kind of bike was it? I don't know. I don't know. It didn't last long. I rode it for about two weeks and quickly realized that I was uh, especially riding the rocky train here around Harrisonburg that it was not going to be cut out. So picked up a, a used trek a couple weeks later and uh, yeah, just really fell in love with mountain biking. We have some excellent terrain here around Harrisonburg, a lot of really cool technical trails, um, a lot of single track, a lot of it's old CCC handbill, you know, hiking trails. So it's really steep, kind of rugged. Um, it's a great way for testing equipment, but um, yeah. I've, uh, <laughs> and probably breaking it too. Breaking, yeah. I, yep. I've pretty much broken everything, <laughs> including lots of parts of my body too, which is unfortunate, but that's all. Oh. Um, but yeah, so then doing mountain biking, been mountain biking uh, just as a hobby for the last 15 years. And I'd say in the last five years, kind of got a little more heavily into kind of the racing aspect of things. And got a road bike and gravel bike and been doing some more stuff out on the road, um, kind of focusing on spending some more time building fitness and uh, that kind of stuff. Wow. And what year was that? How long ago did you start riding bikes? So yeah, I started uh, mountain biking in 2007. Okay. And then yeah, I didn't really start doing a lot of racing until probably 2019 or 2020. Wow. Um, I can't believe it's yeah. only been that short amount of time, Abe. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I still, uh, I, I, 
mostly ride for fun, uh, but definitely have enjoyed kind of the competitive aspect of bike pack racing too in the last couple of years as well. So, mm-hmm. and then outside of bikes, I have a full-time job. I work at JMU, James Madison University in their facilities engineering department. Cool. And I'm also married. I have a lovely wife, Shayna, and a son, Hayul, who's 11 years old. He just started wow. fifth grade wow. this past week. So life is pretty busy. You know, it takes a lot of juggling to, to squeeze time in for training and that sort of thing. But um, I really, really enjoy, really enjoy that as well. Yeah, no kidding. Full-time job, a relationship, and a son <laughs> to look after in addition yeah. to like a very time-intensive type of biking. Yes. A hobby that sure. takes up yeah. a lot of time. And so I think you said... You found your first ultra race in 2019-ish, is that right? Yeah, what was your first race? So my first bike packing race was actually the Rockstar Trail Route oh, heck yeah. um, okay. in the fall of 2020. Wow. Um, so I did the Shenandoah Mountain 100 uh, mountain bike race in September of that year. And uh, so I've been training a lot, doing a lot of rides, getting a lot of volume in for that race. Mm-hmm. And then uh, two weeks later, did my second attempt on the Massanutten Ring, uh, which is a, like a 67-mile single-track loop here uh, near Harrisonburg, uh, a very technical single-track route cool. that had an FKT on it. And uh, I rode that route in uh, two weeks after the SM100. Isn't that and route then, like where people, uh, I think it's like you can run it or ride it in almost the same speed or something yeah, like that? Oh, yeah, no. so for, uh-huh. yeah. So for a long time, the FKT was actually the fastest known time with a runner was actually faster than a cyclist. I believe it was around 15 hours or so Whoa. was the time running. Um, so I did that in the fall, uh, in mid-September of 2020. And I did it in just a little over, I think it was 12 hours and 20 minutes. Wow. Um, That's quick. I was... Uh, yeah, pretty pretty excited to to snag that one for my neighbor Jeremiah Bishop. <laughs> for um, those who don't know, Jeremiah is a retired mountain bike professional rider who raced. Is in he the, Olympics. the GCN guy? Uh, no, but he raced in the Olympics in what year? I don't remember. A while back, I, but he I lives in Harrisonburg yeah. and is also okay. Abe's neighbor. Mm-hmm. He does the impossible. Yeah, routes. he's a YouTube oh, sensation. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know which guy yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, two weeks after that was the Rockstar Grand Depart. Mm-hmm. So that would have been late September that year. It was postponed due to COVID. So yeah, my first race was yeah Rockstar Trail, um, fresh off of doing SM100 and the Mass Mountain Ring. And the Rockstar route is so I know what it is. I don't know if Mel, you know exactly what it is, but you did. Did you do the Rockstar, Cynthia? I feel like my Instagram creeping maybe maybe yeah. gives me a sense of what it is. But could one of you just give us the lowdown on what that route's all well, about? So Abe is talking about the Rockstar Trail, but there are actually three routes, okay. and they go from Harrisonburg, Virginia, which is where Abe lives, down mm-hmm. south to Roanoke, Virginia, which is as um, if you were to drive, I think it would be about mm, two hours. Uh, but each okay route uh varies in distance there's a road route a gravel route and then the mountain route so how long is the mountain route isn't it it's quite long 280 miles and the gravel route's 250 Mm -hmm. and then the road route is much shorter i can't remember i think maybe it's 170 okay yeah so like not an overnight Uh thing like you can do it in one day during the day kind of situation um yeah yeah so you that was your first ultra tell us about it 
Yeah. So my first Yalta race was the other Rockstar Trail race. Uh, it was kind of inter- interesting that year. Yeah. They um, had it set up where they had an open support zone about halfway through in a state oh, yeah, park. Oh, yeah. That's about cool. That. So it was not, you know, a fully unsupported race. So I actually had parked a car there <laughs> with nice. a drop bag. <laughs> That's and smart. And my, my, I had, uh, you know, no camping gear or anything on my bike. I just had my food and tools and stuff to get me, to get me, you know, 24 hours in or so. And so I made it to Dalfat mm-hmm. um, about midnight or so the first day and crashed in my car for three or four hours. <laughs> That's amazing. And Could you imagine having a car to sleep in in every ultra? Oh, my God. And then yeah, in the amazing. middle of it was pretty, pretty Morocco. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. No, I really at the I didn't know I had no I'd never done any type of ride that long and, and hadn't couldn't even wrap my head around doing the whole thing. It was around. I think 40,000 feet of elevation gain over the 280 that's miles. A lot. That's and, a lot. You know, just, just felt insurmountable really at the time. And so I, I rode the first day, got to my car, figured I'd crash for a few hours, wake up and see how I felt. And I uh, set my alarm, I think for like three o'clock in the morning, I'd slept for maybe three or three hours or so and woke up and was feeling pretty sore and pretty tired, but thought, well, I'm halfway, might as well go ahead and see what happens and try to finish this thing out. So uh, yeah, I just, uh, went ahead and kept on riding the next day and pushed on through. And, you know, I was thinking I could finish by midnight the second night, but, uh, that came and went and I, uh, was in a pretty, pretty deep hole there at the end, but was able to finish that out. I think I finished around 2 a.m. or so. And where does it finish? Uh, Tell us. <laughs> on Monday morning. Finishes in Roanoke. It finishes yeah. at the... Right yeah, there right in downtown, downtown Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, what is it called? Texas yeah. Tavern. It finishes at this place that's at open 24 tavern. hours. Oh yeah. my gosh. So was uh, it a rowdy tavern? Uh, you know, there was... Uh, what's funny, it wasn't too rowdy the first time I did it, but the second time I, I uh, finished, there was it was a pretty lively evening there at the tavern. It's funny. <laughs> it's such a jarring experience too when you're like, on your own, just focused on kind of the simple recipe of eat, sleep, ride. And then you enter civilization and you're like, what is going yeah, on? Uh-huh. Yeah. I was so completely, utterly out of it when I finished that race. You know, I was just basically incoherent there at the end, but it was just amazing to be able to finish. And it was kind of cool to stop there and get a hamburger or, or five. <laughs> yeah, definitely five. five. That's the right 100%. Yeah. So yeah, that was my, that was my first, uh, bikepacking race. Yeah. Rockstar trail. So it was a mountain bike. I rode a full suspension Santa Cruz blur on that race. Did you get the FKT? Um, was there? <sighs> I okay. did. Yeah. Yep. So I took the FKT on that. I think it was like 44 hours okay. or so. Um, elapsed nice. time on that. Has anybody, so. t- has anyone gone for it since then? I know you and, um, um last year, uh, what's his name? Peter no, Kraft. Also, um, he oh, came and did uh-huh. that talk before, uh, last year when he, he, he didn't finish. Oh, Kraft yeah, Snyder. Kraft Snyder oh. came by. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I went back and raced it again in 2022 and Kurt Ref Snyder was here visiting the area. And, uh, so I was excited to get to race him. He ended up scratching, I think around six hours in or so he was fighting a bug. And so he was just not feeling it at all. And, um, I ended up scratching then about halfway, you know, just kind of lost, uh, you know, I, my, my knees were really hurting in that race and didn't really see the, see the need to put myself in too deep of a hole again. Well, you had I think maybe that. raised something before, or I don't remember. I just remember like 
at that time you were um, – had you raced earlier in the year before that or were you dealing with an injury so, before that? Yeah, so I um, I had uh, knee surgery in August of 2021. Okay. So, yeah, I was kind of recovering mm-hmm. from that through the fall of 2021 and that spring of 2022. Okay. So, yeah, and then I was also preparing for the Tour Divide as well in 2022. So didn't want to cause too much – too much uh, yeah so that was 2022 that, that we're talking about okay yeah so then tour divide 2020 yeah. oh yeah so this is all 2022 yeah did you do any other races yeah. between when you so t- between 2021 and 2022 um what else yeah what else did yeah you uh, well so um after rockstar trail in 2020 i did um i guess the rockstar gravel route in the spring of 21 and then completed that ride um and then did a local Allegheny Mountains Loop, which is a 410-mile gravel route here uh, out of Blacksburg, uh, Virginia. Um, and I rode a, a gravel bike on that one, and I was able to get the FKT on that on that route as well. That was about 30, I think that was like 33 hours or so. Yeah, That's so pretty fast, though, with that amount of elevation gain, I'm sure, because those mountains Yeah, are- it was a pretty quick course. It was relatively, you know some flat sections, some rail trail, um, some paved stuff. So it was a, a fairly, a, a fairly fast moving. Actually, it might've been 36 hours, I guess, on that route. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then after that, I did Trans Virginia, which is the, our, um, local route that traverses, you know, the state of Virginia from Washington, DC, all the way down to Damascus. And I did that in the, I guess, May, the Grand Depart. And you still have, you have the so. fastest known timer FKT for that as well, right? I do. What was your time? Yeah, about 55 hours. How many FKTs do you hold? <laughs> yeah. Just a couple, just a couple local ones. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to keep them all? Yeah. Actually, you know, there's a website that people like can submit FKTs to for like running and someone started one for riding. Yeah. We need to get you, we need to get you the uh, award yeah, for most cool. number of F- cycling FKTs. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm sure there's people that have a lot more than I do, but. Yeah. So the TVA, so Trans Virginia, uh, again, Abe just said like a local, it's basically like, it's very special to Abe and also I, because myself, because it's here where we both ride a lot in law of miles and it's roads that we often will travel to ride on or do big loops that include. Um, so yeah, it's super wonderful. It's the Trans Virginia route actually starts at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, DC. That's a cool cool place to start a race. It's super cool. So you got the FKT in 2021 on that. What was the time? 550 Correct. miles. Okay. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. You Americans, you keep speaking in Sorry. miles. How many kilometers is I don't know. I think that's like a thousand miles. kilometers. No, it's 880. Okay. That's still a lot of kilometers, but okay. How long did it take you, Abe? About you 55 remember? hours. Mm, 55 Whoa. Hours. Okay. Yeah. So the time I need to beat basically is get from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you sleep at all on that effort? I did. Yeah. The first night I slept for maybe four hours or so. Um, that's a made pretty it about, big sleep on that yeah, length of course. Yeah, and then actually the second night I slept for maybe two hours. The second night as well. So I think that first night though, you probably slept outside the uh, the West Augusta store, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so because it was closed or something, it doesn't yeah. open until six a.m. I uh-huh. think. Yeah, so it was kind of a critical resupply point there. Um, so I basically got there at like two o'clock in the morning and uh, slept for a few hours before they opened at six to get breakfast and. Uh, restock up on some supplies before heading out. It is kind of nice when that happens when you end up at a resupply point or like kind of a pinch point and you're like, well, I guess I have to rest. I have to sleep. Otherwise, Uh I will go slower if I do not sleep. Yeah, definitely. 
Mm-hmm. Right on. And what, I mean, you've done an incredible amount of racing, FKTs. What was kind of the draw to racing in the first place? You know, I guess I just found that I loved long days on the bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just loved being outside. I loved riding, you know, into the night and then riding into the morning too became really fun as well. And so I think, you know, discovering bikepack racing just kind of gave a, gave an outlet or gave a, uh, you know, sort of a motivation to, to push that envelope and to, to have those experiences. You know, I've, I've had some of my most memorable experiences in the last few years have been on the bike, you know, kind of experience experiencing some of those moments, you know, when you're really pushing yourself, you're really digging deep. And uh, I just found that I, I really, I really love, really love it. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, but really what about the competition? Cause I feel like <laughs> I know you as a very competitive person and we're talking about this beautiful Wait, poetry Abe of how wonderful this is. He has all these FKTs. Surely this guy's not competitive. He's not competitive yeah. at all. Yeah. I guess there must be that aspect of it too, as well. Yeah. I, I do. I love that. I love competing with other people and competing with myself too. You know, it's uh, yeah. a lot of it is I am very interested and in, I really enjoy sort of the, the focus on efficiency, you know, when it comes to backpack racing, you know, a lot of it is not just about how quick you are mm-hmm. or how fast, how hard you can pedal or how many Watts you can push on the bike, but it's about, you know, how efficient can you be with, you know, time management, like yeah. how, yeah. how much can you minimize your stoppage time? Like, how well can you study and learn the course and learn resupply points? So, I mean, I'll spend, I'll spend weeks before a race, you know, studying the course and, you know, working up, uh, split times and, you know, resupply plans and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy that planning aspect of, of it too. So I think, you know, bike pack racing is, I found it really satisfies a lot of my interest in terms of, you know, not just riding your bike long days, but also like just planning and preparation. I, I love, I, I love planning, I love planning trips. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, sometimes when we go on vacation as a family, I, I find myself, I'll spend weeks or months leading up to it, just sort of, you know, planning and doing research. And yeah. uh, sometimes I enjoy that anticipation as much as the actual vacation itself. So I think, you know, backpack racing is pretty similar too, where a lot of it is the, the anticipation leading up to you know, getting your bike ready, uh, you know, really knowing what you're getting into. And, um, I just found that I really, really enjoy that part I of it as well. That. And I noticed when I was poking around, you do, I do a similar thing, but you had a sheet taped to your top two yeah, that uh-huh. broke down distances with times, <laughs> elevation, key information. And I'm assuming that the times on that sheet would set you up for the FKT that you were pursuing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, I found that's a, it's a real risky thing to do. You know, it can either be a real motivator <laughs> Very risky. Very risky. Or, or, or it can be like a real or a bad demotivator, a real demotivator. But that's, that's what I did. You know, I, I had, I had the, the breakdown. I knew exactly where I needed to be at what time, you know, for TNGA for this last race. And yeah. I'll do that. Oftentimes I'll do that for races. If I know I'm going for a certain time, um, I find it, it gives me a little peace of mind because I know where I'm at at any given point in time. And I know how hard I have to push or if I need to, you know, try to trim a little stoppage time, or if I have a little bit of a cushion built in, I can ease back a little bit. And, you know, it does sort of, I, I think some people would probably frown at that or, you know, might take away from the experience to some degree, but I found that I really kind of enjoy, enjoy racing that ghost too. You know, it was kind of funny in this last race, uh, James Dunaway had the FKT before and uh, it was really cool. I actually got to talk to him this past week. We called and chat, uh, oh, chatted cool, on the phone cool. for like an hour. And it was just like talking to an old friend, you know? So I think that's one of yeah. these things too, about people that trade these, these FKTs or these times and these routes is you're always wanting to see 
it's always exciting to see somebody do it faster, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm really stoked to, to see if, you know, people beat my times too. And I'd love to chat with them or share information with them and that kind of stuff. But, you know, on this last ride with T and GA, it was, I kind of felt like I was just chasing James's ghost the whole time when I was out there. Like I'd get 15 minutes on him in one section and the next section I'd, I'd lose it back again. And it was just kind of interesting to sort of, you know, see how that uh, game of cat and mouse went. Well, tell us about your trans Northern Georgia experience. So the, the race itself is 350 miles and it traverses the, uh, is it what mountain range in Georgia? Uh, is it the Blue Ridge? Well, I don't even know. That. I should know that. I don't yeah. even know. I <laughs> look that too. up. <laughs> um, anyway, the mountains in Georgia. There are mountains in Georgia, actually, for those listening. Um, and Abe just did the the race, and it took you, what, one day, 15 hours, and 44 minutes to do 350 miles. Which is 560K with a quite oh. hefty amount of elevation, right? <laughs> yeah, what was the elevation? I actually don't know that. I'll look that uh, up as well. 45,000. Okay, so that's like... That's like 16, no, that's 15, like Yeah, 15,000 meters. meters, which is a meters. lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Well, it's a mountain bike race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. So yeah, yeah, I guess I should start by what happened last year, I suppose, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, so tell us about your 2021. Yeah, so last year was a complete calamity of errors. I uh, went down to do the race, and I lost my rear axle to my bike. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's like yeah. one of the worst things that's to That's like a night... Yeah, that's where you're like... Of all the things, that's actually the thing. Maybe like, maybe I'll just carry extra when I travel of through Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so what I did got you do? to the hotel down there and just couldn't find it. It was gone. It had just vaporized. It was disappeared completely. Mm-hmm. And and so Awful. searched and searched for it for hours, you know, and then uh, there was this guy, TJ Kearns, actually works for bikepacking.com. He's a photographer. He lent me his bike to use wow. for the race. Insisted that I use his bike. And wow. Extremely generous offer. You know, he was a mechanic, so he helped me swap a bunch of parts over to the bike. Wow. Um, and uh, it was an extra large frame. And I typically ride a large. And so the bike was a little bit on the large side for me. And my knees are a little sensitive after having uh, ACL reconstruction back in 2021. And, you know, so I, uh, I I made it about 300 miles in on that bike and eventually just got to the point where my knees just couldn't take it anymore. I was, uh-huh. I was battling tendonitis, patellar tendonitis in both, both knees. And um, I was, you know, probably, I don't know, 10 hours from the finish, eight hours or something. And I just, I couldn't, couldn't keep going. I wasn't a lead at the time. I was pretty far behind FKT pace. Anyway, just wasn't able to finish scratched, you know, I think about 40, 42 or 44 hours in wow. hadn't really had any sleep at that point. So I was, I was pretty, pretty out of it at that, at that point in time. And the weather wasn't that great last year though. We had some rain and it was definitely a more humid uh, more humid weather that year. Did you have any trench so foot situations going on? Trench foot was a real struggle. Yeah. Well, let's trench let's give was... everybody a little ro- <laughs> rundown <laughs> on what trench foot is. Yeah. So basically, uh, in my experience, trench foot is when your feet stay wet for too long, the bottoms of your feet just become extremely sensitive and painful. Um, you know, mega pruny. Like you look like yeah, a they prune. get really wrinkly and oh. like it, they all these yeah. it's super nasty. Yeah. So it really, I mean, I was, I was starting to deal with trench foot, I'd say less than 24 hours. Wow. Race. Basically, yeah. you know, it was, uh, well, one, one of the many difficult parts of TNGA is the weather itself. And, uh, I mean, I just felt like it was a full body assault, uh, <laughs> last year with moisture. I mean, I was just completely saturated head to toe from 30 minutes in until I scratched, wow. you know, 40, 40 couple hours Sounds later. similar and to so, the Lenick mountain race. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
so I, I was, yeah, yeah. So I was dealing with, with some, with some foot issues and I was actually, there was a, a, a pavement section outside of Dalton about halfway through the race. And I was riding barefoot for oh like 15 miles That's hilarious. with my feet on my SPD oh because it was flat pavement. Oh. I had my shoes on my aero bars. Wait, and barefoot on off, your and, SPD pedals. That yeah. would hurt. Yeah. Well, it'd be better, yeah, you know, it. when your feet have that pruniness on the bottom, when you have trench foot, it can feel like there are rocks in your shoe below your foot and yeah. the and the insert. So like yeah. actually at the end of the day, pedaling on the SPDs probably felt better than yeah. being I was in your soft shoes. Pedaling. I wasn't pushing a lot of power. So like I said, it was a clammy bear. So anyways, that was last year's experience. Um, you know, did not go well, had a lot of, a lot of issues. I was really determined to come back this year and try to try to finish it out, try to do Redemption. better get some redemption. Um, so I spent a lot of time getting my bike ready, making sure I had a spare axle packed in the car. In case I misplaced <laughs> it again. Did you need it? No, no. Thank God. <laughs> oh boy. This past year I've been working with a coach as well, hmm. uh, which has been a, a huge help and that's cool. You know, just building in, I think a little more resilience in my training, a little more, some more rest days, some more oh, intensity. I love to hear it. More rest. Yeah. I'm, more the, best, rest. I'm the biggest yeah. advocate for more rest. People don't do it enough, especially in ultra racing. So good yeah. for you. I'm glad to hear and that. And I've been, you. I've been resting and recovery, resting and recovering hard the last week. So I'm going to keep Amazing. that going for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, came in this year. I thought a lot, a lot more prepared. Um, had a little bit lighter bike setup. I, I ran um, a real lightweight wheel set, some light tires, Continental Race Kings. Kind of made some calculated. Uh, I don't know if I'd call them risks, but made some calculated decisions to you know trim some weight. Didn't didn't bring arrow bars. There's just not enough flat sections to to warrant, warrant that. I did fashion some inner bar ends uh, wrapped in bar tape with some gel pads. Uh, I learned that from Mike Hall's Tour Divide FKT setup. I saw he did that. And so, yeah, I played around with that and just spent a lot of time getting the bike set up the way that I would feel comfortable on and was able to get my, you know, loaded weight down to like 28 pounds or so. So it was pretty nice. Wow, that's impressive. You know, really, you know, I just had a half frame bag and a top two bag, um, just a lot of food, a few spares and tubes and didn't need much for clothing, you know, because it's Georgia in August. And I didn't even touch any of the spare clothing that I brought except for a dry pair of socks. I did Mm. switch socks by halfway through, but yeah, so yeah, this year things went a lot better. I, um, the weather was ideal. It was, uh, like in the mid fifties to start, which is just unheard of for Georgia in August. And so the first 24 hours were extremely pleasant. You know, it really only got up into the seventies or so in the afternoon. That is like unheard of. (laughs) 70 degrees. What is that? I think like 24 C. I think it's 26 C. It's 26 C. It's like the perfect day. 26 C. That's nice. Yeah. The first day went really smoothly. I, um, you know, was really focusing on, on pacing myself, uh, trying not to go out too hot. That's something that's really tempting in these ultra races just to go out and, you know, push threshold efforts for way longer times than you should. And kind of my goal on this ride was just to like, you know, try to try to push a little bit on the climbs, you know, push some tempo. And then every time there was a downhill, just stand up and recover. And my buddy, Charlie Steiner gave me advice to drop your heels on the downhills and just kind of stand up and stretch. And, you know, especially running a lighter, lighter tire and wheel setup, focus on not flatting, not breaking a wheel, not breaking spokes and not getting flat. And, so really kind of conserving a little bit of energy in the downhills and not mm-hmm. trying to gain time there, but focus on pushing a little bit more on the climbs. And that seemed to work out pretty well. I was able to keep my energy level up pretty well through the first day and ride ride pretty smart, you know, all through the first day there. I did have a 
a pretty big, pretty big wreck about 12 hours in. I, I went to hop a, hop a tree, jump a tree with my front wheel and just misjudged my ability to get my wheel up. And I just hit, pounded my front wheel right in that tree, went over the bars and did a full front flip and Owie. just landed right on my back in my, I had, had a, a, a back hydration pack on and had my water filter in the backpack. And I landed right on that water filter in my lower back and, and bruised my lower back pretty bad. So I, uh, I had to shake my head and, and just, you know, it's the thing about these ultra races. You have to be smart. You know, you have to be really yeah. conservative, really yeah. careful, you know, not make, not make mistakes like that. And so I felt very fortunate on one hand that I, that, that I didn't injure myself or didn't break anything or the bike was fine. Um, but in the hand, I was super frustrated that I, I had to deal yeah. with a really sore back on the rest of the ride, but mm. it was manageable. It was tolerable. It, it's hurt far worse after the race. <laughs> Than it did. Than I guess it did that's a ride. silver lining. Yeah. Um, so that was really my only big mistake, I guess, on the ride was that one wreck there, and then was just able to yeah keep keep pushing through the first night. You know, thankfully the weather was pretty decent. Didn't really have any mishaps. Definitely dialed it back a little bit overnight. Tried not to make any other mistakes or have any other wrecks. That kind of stuff. Did a lot of did some walking there at night mm-hmm. on some of the technical single track sections. There was some real rudy off camber stuff that. You know, just felt a little too risky at night to ride. It's funny how you can psych yourself out like that at night. Even if you have good lights, it's just the additional fatigue of being on the bike that long. And like yeah. in daylight, you could ride it. But at yeah. night, it's like it's super not worth the risk. Worth yeah, I always, I always, especially between like 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. I feel like I, every night, I, I consider that the witching hour, I guess. I witching exactly hour. what that means, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like if something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen between four and 5 a.m. So I'm always very careful. Okay. Between, now you're, I'm hour. afraid of the dark perpetually. So now I'm yeah. definitely never riding between four and Yeah. Five. Yeah. <laughs> nothing good. Nothing good happens at four. Yeah. Yeah. So he was able to make it through the night unscathed. No, no issues, no problems. And, uh, yeah, I made it into this, into the second morning there and was able to get to, there's a pretty big resupply point. Dalton, um, is about halfway, halfway through the race. Which last year I incorrectly assumed that the race was mostly over when he made it to Dalton, uh, which is like mile 250. I don't know how, okay. what kilometer it is, but um, there's, uh, you know, it's pretty good. If you look at the elevation profile, you've done most of the climbing or so it appears. Most of the large climbs are done at that point. But really after that point, you have like two thirds or so of a single track is still to come. And it gets a little more technical, a little more, a little more challenging. Um, the trail surfaces are just kind of relentless after that point. And so this year I was a lot more prepared. I knew what I was getting into there after that, after Dalton, after that resupply and felt like I conserved a little bit and saved some energy for that. And yeah, I was able to just, yeah, keep on, keep on pushing, keep on digging there the second day. And yeah, things went fairly smoothly and was able to, yeah, make it to the finish, I guess, a little before midnight on Sunday night. How... I mean, well, you finished an hour ahead of the previous FKT when you were yeah. getting close and you realized that you were probably going to take the new record. How did that feel? Like, what were you thinking? Pretty, pretty cool. You know, I was I, you know, I never want to assume anything is in the bag until you're actually sure. crossing the finish line. It's like, well, you could get a flat tire, you could wreck, you could. I mean, I got chased by a huge German shepherd. I didn't know what it was. Huge dog, Yikes. like 15 miles from the finish. And I was like, this thing is going to like, oh, no. bit, bit, you know, and, you know, so it was like, I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, I felt, you know, there was a huge relief, I guess, because I had, you know, been pushing so hard for so long that it was, it was exciting to get closer to the finish and realize that, you know, kind of what my, what the goal I'd set was, you know, coming to fruition. And it was kind of fun too. I was like, well, I got, you know, I know I, I knew I had the record. I was like, well, I'd like to get in. 
I'd like to go sub 40, you know, so it's kind of like pushing a little harder to try mm. to break get under 40 hours. And well, you can maybe break the record by an hour. So then push a little bit harder to try to, you know, shave a little more time off. So it's still just kind of trying to stay motivated and just get to the finish. And, mm-hmm. you know, you never know what's going to happen until you're rolling across that finish line. 100%. You do not yeah. know what is happening until <laughs> you have literally made yeah. it. Well, congratulations yeah, on taking you. the fastest known time at TNG yeah. this year. Very Super exciting. Cool. And probably so satisfying to come back after, you know, putting so much time and energy into a first attempt and then going for it a second time. Obviously sounds like you were much actually better prepared this time around and had the right bike and everything, but and the weather yeah. was in your favor as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing too. You know, it's like you can do everything you can do to prepare, but there's so many external elements too. So I was extremely yeah. grateful that it just all came together. You know, it was basically a, a perfect run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's something that I don't know if I could even repeat it again. Like it's. Well, I think you definitely, um, you had stored up your bad luck to create some <laughs> yeah. good luck for you. So Abe's had some bad luck recently. Yeah, I'm good at, good at, yeah, good at having bad luck. Yeah, or just maybe in general. Um, yeah, you're you're you have had two bad luck scenarios happen to you this year in ultra racing. Yeah. So you uh-huh. actually in the last calendar year. So last year, 2022, you raced the Tour Divide, and before the start, you were ready to go. You were there with a bunch of people from the East Coast having a grand old time. And 20 minutes before the start, what happened? Oh boy, that's a set, set the scene for us. I don't know if I want to go there again. <laughs> yeah, so, too, <laughs> so it's funny, yeah. We had rolled into Tim Hortons for breakfast Very at like Canadian six forty in the morning. Oh, it was so delicious too. It was wonderful. I had the best breakfast. I was so excited, all ready to go, and I hop on my bike to pedal to the start line. I think the start time was like mm-hmm. seven a.m. last year. Put my hand in the drop, and the drop just like <gasps> collapsed in my hand. Uh, my handlebar was broken and uh, my bike had fallen over in my room the night before and landed on the drop in the handlebar and apparently cracked it, but I didn't realize it until I put my hand in the drop the morning of the race. Uh, incidentally, that handlebar was actually one of the recalled. Oh, I've got one of those. Which was recalled. Yeah, that was actually the second one of those that I broke. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, 20 minutes before the race, I had a broken handlebar, um, but Fortunately, the Tour Divide is a long enough race that uh, I suppose if something bad is going to happen, it's not a terrible... Better to happen at the start, yeah, I think. not a terrible thing to have it yeah. happen at the start. Yeah. So I, I scrambled really quickly. I swapped my handlebars twice in a period of two hours. <laughs> I put one <laughs> handlebar on. Uh, somebody was gracious and made a bunch of phone calls, found some folks that were able to help me out. And I found one set of handlebars that was just way too narrow. Mm. I could hardly fit my handlebar roll in between it. And I just, the thought of riding 4,000 kilometers or 2,700 miles with a handlebar that didn't really fit, yeah. just, I couldn't do it. And so I yeah. was able to find another set of bars and swap those on subsequently and was able to get rolling about two and a half hours late uh, after the Grand Depart rolled out. So it gave me a lot of uh, motivation those first couple of days to try mm. to push a little bit, which is perhaps not the wisest in a race that's that long to dig <laughs> deep the first two days. But I mean, I, uh, it obviously didn't yeah, put you too the, much in a hole because you eventually went on to finish fourth behind <sighs> some pretty impressive other individuals. So, I mean, fourth at the Tour Divide is no slouch. That's a pretty big accomplishment. No yeah, yeah, I learned, I learned a lot there and I'd, I'd love to go back someday with a, 
complete bike at the start of the race. <laughs> get to start with everybody and, and see how it takes some of that knowledge I learned there over those two weeks. And yes, yeah, yeah. and you it. had some yeah. bad luck at Hellenic Mountain Race, which was a first edition race by Nelson Trees, who also does Silk Road Mountain Race and Atlas Mountain Race. Um, but that was in Greece this spring, and you ended up having to scratch from that race, right? Yeah. So yeah, did not complete that race. That was a, that was a huge bummer, you know, to fly halfway across the world and to be in a place as beautiful as Greece, uh, even though the weather was pretty bad this year. (laughs) Yeah. So for listeners, I was also at Hellenic mountain race and, you know, everybody was like, Oh, Nelson's creating a race in Greece and it's going to be in the mountains and Greece is sunny and hot and beautiful. Right. Like we all kind of had this picture of Greece being hot and nice and it was anything that has to do with nelson just (laughs) don't get me wrong the route itself had its own you know heinous bits but it was ultimately beautiful the weather just super was not in our favor it nuked rain Mm -hmm. for the first few days it was pretty horrendous amounts of rain And, and i mean historically greece is rainy in the spring i think the race was probably timed one week too early um and it was also Mm. an uncharacteristically very rainy spring there. So it was just kind of the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. Literally (laughs) perfect storm. storm. Anyway, so what happened? Yeah. So I was running a SRAM access drivetrain wireless train and my rear derailleur just started to fail. I actually started to fail on the um, Mount Timphy hike a bike, which I'm sure you remember (laughs) that. So for listeners, this hike a bike (laughs) was up a purely hiking trail. It is not a biking trail, but there is a very cool... Uh, refuge at the top of the trail. And if you're a skilled mountain biker like Abe, I'm sure you probably rode most of the descent. I was so zonked when the when I got to the top of this hike a bike. And I want to say it was five kilometers long, but you gained 900 meters mm-hmm. in elevation in those five kilometers. So it was pretty hefty and you were basically walking mm-hmm. the entire way up. And then I also walked the entire way down, except for maybe like two sections. Mm-hmm. So I did try to ride the downhill. I wrecked my <gasps> shifter, <laughs> yeah. which I was able to fix. I had a spare bolt to fix that. And then I also, I was like towards the bottom and decided to start riding again and I flatted. Oh, and uh, I, uh, yeah. Had to, had to tube it. I, oh man! So it was a, it was a, it was a, lots of mistakes made there. So then uh, the next section there was the Creekside hike a bike. Another horrible hike. Yeah, the Creekside hike a bike, which was this unbelievable, beautiful blue river, but it was this extremely challenging trail to even walk. Mm-hmm. And it was raining, of course, and the brush was really wet. It was very tight, a lot of vegetation. I was carrying the bike on my back for a good part of yeah. the trail. And uh, I guess my derailleur just got inundated with, with too much yeah. water, I guess. Maybe it was having the bike on my back, having the derailleur kind of horizontal, but it started to, to fail on me. I just wasn't able to connect, wasn't able to shift. Um, so I thought my race was done at that point, but I uh, was able to get it to reconnect and repair with my shifter. And after, you know, an hour or two, it started working normally again. And then I guess around uh, 12 or 16 hours later, the following night, so it'd be the night, second night, um, the derailleur just quit working completely. Crazy. Couldn't shift. Yeah, couldn't do anything. I was stuck in one gear. And at that point, there was still, you race. know, two thirds of the route left. Yeah, what a race. And there were, I think there was like 60,000 feet of climbing left at that point when I scratched yeah, it was about 20,000 like meters. And insane I just saying the amount of climbing, I couldn't really wrap my head around how much we were getting done every day. So you did like, you made it to. 350k which was about, about a, third. a third of the way yeah so i i i just couldn't i couldn't 
fathom single speeding that much. I guess I need to oh. spend some more time riding a single speed, but I, oh. yeah, I decided it would just actually to be good training. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. My friend Conan made it. I think I want to say he made it almost all the way to the finish. I want to. He was like maybe a hundred k short, and he's like, I've, I have commitments. I. I can't finish, but yeah, I feel like single speed would be a good skill. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Your knees would just get destroyed. I mean, shout out to all the single speeders out there. More power to you, but I really love that 52 tooth. Oh, granny gear. All on my cassette. Spin to win. Yes. Spin it to win Uh, it. Mm -hmm. What was your bike setup for, um, speaking of bikes, what was your bike setup different from Hellenic Mountain Race to what you just did with Trans Northern Georgia? Because they're obviously like Mm, shorter distance. So yeah, um. For Hellenic Mountain Race, uh, basically pretty similar setup. I ran a Canyon Exceed Hardtail um, with 120 millimeter fork. I did run a dropper post for TNGA, which I was really glad that I had. I think I could have gotten away easily with with a rigid, but a dropper just gives you a little bit more freedom and flexibility in the sense you can kind of, I think, recover a little better if you're able to get a little more neutral body position. So uh, the Hellenic Mountain Race, I ran a rigid C post. I also yeah. had a bike packed a little heavier for the Hellenic Mountain Race was a longer race. So I had a tail fin on for that race as well. Um, otherwise, the bikes were You carried sleep similar. stuff for Hellenic? I, I did. Yeah. I had an emergency mm-hmm. bivy yeah, and a pad. So pretty lightweight sleep setup. Usually I like to have all the yeah, amenities, self-care. pillow included. But for that race, I went a little bit lighter. Yes. I'm a pillow person through and through. And even when I'm going fast and light, I'm bringing a pillow because if my head is up, I'm resting. <laughs> Yo, know, I just wear my helmet and I literally yeah. lay my head down and the helmet cradles my head. So <laughs> I don't, it doesn't move do at all. I'm not one of them and I won't be. That's okay. We all yeah. have our choices. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, what sleeping clothing choices did you, I mean, obviously I know that you didn't get to finish Hellenic, but did you carry a down jacket, down pants or what was that? Yes. Like. Yeah. So Hellenic, yeah, I had down jacket, down pants, down booties. Oh, down yeah. Booties. Where are yeah. your down booties from? I need to get some. Tell us. I'm a... oh, actually, just Amazon. Oh. Amazon cheapies. Amazon cheapies? Yeah. You're going to have okay. to go into your yeah. Amazon and send us I the mean, link. I mean, you, you destroy them anyway. And then we'll put in the show notes. Yeah, we have to put them in yeah. the show notes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. We'll do it. Will you yeah, go back awesome. to Hellenic one yeah. day, do you think? I would like to, I'd like, you know, anytime you don't finish a race, I think there's, for me, there's a certain draw to want to go back and mm-hmm. finish it. You know, Greece was so incredibly beautiful. And um, the people. I love, yeah. And the food. Good it food. It was amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. So I think maybe if the weather would be better next year, it'd be a lot more mm-hmm. fun. And so part of me is, is interested in doing that. I'd also love mm-hmm. to check out Nelson's other races. Mm-hmm. I mean, Atlas Mountain Race. Atlas, Atlas Mountain Race. Race. We're recruiting all of our Atlas guests. <laughs> all yeah. of our guests are basically just forced to attend At Atlas Mountain At this point, Race. Nelson so should, should just in. give us an affiliate link, really. Yes, he really should. There you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we'll see. I'm not sure, quite sure. I haven't quite nailed down my plan for next year yet. But, you know, I had a lot of fun dot watching the Tour Divide again this summer. You know, just watching yeah, all the Tour Divide 2024, 2025 sometime i'd love to go back uh i'd like to i'd like to see if i could improve a little bit on my time you know i I do feel like i had a lot of good luck on the tour divide too i think as a rookie i had no mechanical issues other than the broken handlebar before Mm. the race i mean i didn't even Mm -hmm. put air in my tires i don't what wow it was incredible yeah that's incredible Shout out so to Renee fun. Hurst tires. They Sponsor were incredible. this man. Good. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and did you, I know a lot of people stop on the tour divide to get their bike serviced, usually in Colorado around then. Did you do, did you stop at a bike shop at all? 
I did stop by the bike shop there in Steamboat, hey, and okay. my chain was already toast, and so they said mm-hmm. just ride it out, and so yeah. I just got oh, the same right. chain on. Yeah, it was fine. It was mm-hmm. it was fine. So yeah, so I feel like I had a lot of good luck on the tour divide, and weather was actually pretty decent for me. But I'd I'd love to, you know, I think I've I've learned a lot in terms of efficiency and stoppage time. I was I wasted a lot of time off the bike, not mm-hmm. sleeping. Um, which I think really that's the, you know, to do your best, I think in these bikepacking races, I think your time off the bike should really only be spent sleeping, you know, if that's, if you're going for the fastest times, you know, do everything else you can on the bike, eat and, you know, whatever else you got to do. Abe, one of the things that you said to me when you, when we spoke after you finished Tour Divide last year was uh, that you focus on self-care. And I really, Mm. I just love this. (laughs) I feel like this is like uh, the best thing ever. Okay. Tell me what you, what you prioritize as your self-care, because obviously everyone's self-care is different. Like what, what are things that stand out to you? Like for me, for example, like I carry a second Mm -hmm. set of bibs and a second pair of socks, like no matter Uh the distance, I always carry that. Like what are things that you are prioritizing? Boy, I love being clean. (laughs) And so to Same. me, to me, like getting a yeah. shower is just yes. incredible, you know, or like stopping in a, in a creek or a river mm-hmm. and like just washing your arms off, washing your face, rinsing down your kit just a little mm-hmm. bit, like just feeling clean mm-hmm. makes me feel a lot better. And so I'll, I'll spend more time than I should probably like just trying to get the grime off mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit, you know, I, I think just to, dr- I mean, uh, addressing you know, hygiene is also really important sure. too on the bike, you know, keeping, keeping your bibs clean, you know, cleaning out your undercarriage yeah. and, you know, sunscreen yeah. and I mean, just, just all that. And so I think that's, that's one thing that I've gotten a little better at is spending, I think a, a little bit less time off the bike on self-care, but it's still, I think super important to be able to allow you to continue to be able to push hard. I remember you also carry you like your what you were carrying on the bike in terms of like first aid and like all the things that you, like seemed like not a lot to me, but just I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Like I need to carry that or things like yeah, that. Yeah, I, uh, I love I, uh, you know, I'll get little reusable pouches, you know, little squeeze containers or little bottles. And, you know, like on, on TNGA, I, I happen to carry some oh, like nice. muscle rub. Yeah the best if it has cbd in it amazing yeah so i yeah i'll usually carry a variety of ointments you know i'll end up using them all um so on tnga you know i i had that over the bars wreck and hit my back and had a big knot my back and it was at some points was pretty pretty uncomfortable and so i stopped a few times and put a little bit of that muscle rub on and it was you know i I don't know if it was a placebo or not but it was just enough to take the edge (laughs) off so (laughs) i felt better as long as you feel better it doesn't really matter (laughs) the thing Yeah. So yeah, I, I just like having, uh, you know, a few things at your disposal, just in case you might need them. Um, whether or not they truly help, I don't know, but it's something that you can maybe stop and spend 15 seconds doing and it might make you feel a little better, might make you, might, yeah. might you go a little faster. So. Worth the extra weight and space for yeah. sure. At least yeah. it sounds like for you. And yeah. it is for me too. Uh-huh. I definitely, I'm in that same boat, like carry what you need. Cause you, mm-hmm. if you don't have it, you're be really mad. Well, we're getting close to through all of our questions of two more kind of really, and then some hot takes that we didn't share with you because we want your live reaction to those. <laughs> but I mean, ultra cycling, bike packing, all this types of racing and training, it's super time intensive. And we know you have a career and a family. How do you juggle all of those things? Yeah. You know, I, I wonder, uh, you know, some of the, some of the aspects of bike pack racing probably correlate with my life outside of it as well. Just trying to be really efficient with time management, mm-hmm. you know, 
that's kind of a cold way to put it, but I, I definitely try to focus on, I guess, minimizing impacts to my family, mm-hmm. you know, really try to keep evenings and dinner time as free as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, try to be around bedtime, you know, put my son in bed. And so it's, I guess, really just trying to find, you know, making time whenever I can find it, you know, find an hour here, an hour there, you know, some days I'll do a ride before work and a quick ride during lunch, you know, sometimes I have to split training rides. I can't always get a two or three hour block in every day. And so it's just a matter of, you know, I think just trying to be efficient with time. And um, if there's ever a, a moment available, you know, try to do something productive with it, I guess, to some extent. One thing I've done, I know I used to do a lot more mountain biking, um, which involved driving to trailheads. In the last couple of years, I've just realized that that's a lot of time spent in a car yeah, a lot of time. driving somewhere yeah. to ride. And it's just so much more efficient to just ride from your door. And so almost all of my training rides now are done, you know, from my door. And so if I have a little bit longer win- window, I ride my mountain bike from home out to the trailhead and back. And, you know, you get an hour or 30 minutes each way you know, riding time instead of sitting in a car and driving. And so it's, it's a real, it's a real balance. Um, fortunately, I have, I have a fairly flexible job that allows me to, you know, take time off to do these races and to, you know, get some training in. And I've been extremely grateful for that, but also very grateful for my wife. She's extremely accommodating and um, really helps pick up a load when I'm gone or kind of the weeks leading up to the races can sometimes be more stressful than the race itself because I'm getting yeah. nervous yeah. and, you know, getting <laughs> yep. focused on what's coming up ahead. And, um, so she really helps, you know, pull the weight those, those times as well while I'm getting ready for something. So it's a struggle, but, uh, it's fun too. I love it. You seem to make it work though. And I feel for like sure. you, it forces you to really focus on the most important things instead of the seemingly, you know, the small things that maybe are not actually yeah. important and really yeah. zone in on the things that are most That's valuable right. to mm-hmm. you. And enjoy those rest days. Yeah. Yes. Make the best mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, our last question before the hot takes is what is next for you? What's next on the list? Oh, I think a little more recovery is in order. (laughs) Um, I was thinking recovery would be a little faster, but it was a pretty, pretty big effort. So trying to spend the next week or so, I guess, still kind of trying to recuperate and rest. And Mm -hmm. I uh, had been planning to do Arkansas High Country last Mm -hmm. year. And I uh, have that on my calendar for this October mm-hmm. as well. But with that said, that all depends on making sure I'm feeling good, making sure my hands are in a good place. My hands took a little bit of a beating at TNGA. Um, so I want to make sure those are healing up, but I'd love to get back down. I'd love to get down to Arkansas to mm-hmm. check out that ride. Uh, that's a thousand mile road and gravel it's loop. Long. Um, long. It's super yeah. long. So yeah. that's kind of my goal potentially for this fall. Otherwise, um, start dreaming for next year. Okay, we're going to do our hot takes. <laughs> I'm assuming that you have probably slept in a pit toilet or some variety because you've done the Many two and five. <laughs> mm. <laughs> For those who don't know, a pit toilet is a toilet that is literally a just a hole in the ground. ground but it's with, a shelter. With a shelter around her. This is yeah. the second episode. And they don't always smell bad. This. <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody may not have heard the first one. And also, like, who knows what a pit toilet is if they've never been to one. It's a four-star accommodation when you're bikepacking. <laughs> on the tour divide route. Okay. Pit toilet accommodations or under the stars accommodations? Pit toilet. It's a shame, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> oh what a shame. But I agree. In bear country or not bear country? Yeah. Um, bear country. Either. But definitely 100% pit toilet. Mm. Locked door. Okay. You feel mm-hmm. like you're safe. Yep. 
Mm-mm. I say you're not looking at the stars, you're trying to sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not a luxury True. camping trip. It's like get, yeah. the, get the rest and get going. Uh-huh. So Tour Divide has a pretty heinous hike a bike. It is a relatively new hike a bike called Coco Claims. So anybody who mm-hmm. is listening has not watched the divide. They probably know about Coco Claims. Um, but our dear friend Nelson Trees is also pretty famous for heinous hike a bike. So Coco Claims or one of those Hellenic Mountain Race hike a bikes. I would do Coco Claims twice before doing <laughs> Nelson. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hear that. that says Nelson. Yes. Mm. Um, well, you are from Virginia, as we've heard, and you live in and ride in what I would say is the most wonderful place in the world, um, the Shenandoah Mountains. And the mountains are super mm-hmm. rocky and beautiful. Um, so you've had that experience, and you've also ridden in the Rockies um, in Colorado and along that ridge, that range there. Would you choose riding in Virginia or Colorado? Boy, you know, Colorado was my favorite part of the divide, but... I love Virginia. It's great here. <laughs> Virginia sucks. Don't come, everybody. I promise Y'all it's terrible. Are biased, but I respect it. Of course. Definitely. No, it's really it wonderful. Is. People don't understand how wonderful Virginia it's pretty is. pretty nice. I'll come. I hear there's a, a newish race starting there, right? Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that at some point. Secrets. Secrets to come out later. But anyway, Abe says Virginia. Yes. I say Virginia. Mel, where do you say? You've never I've been. I've not but... ridden in either of those places, so I cannot. Okay. So we can't, can't ask you the question. Okay. Uh, all right. Wet feet for an entire race or numb hands? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, they're both horrible. Oh boy, I don't know. I'd say I'd say wet feet right now because my hands are still numb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you need your yeah. hands a little bit. I don't more know though to like open yeah. things and stuff. You do, yeah. But I will tell you, with um, trench foot, it it is a thing that literally will. Like you can suffer from the effects of trench foot for days. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, my teammate Megan, after our race in Italy, she had trench foot and literally it smelled so (laughs) bad no matter where she was. And it was actually her feet. It wasn't even she had like washed her feet and everything, but still her feet themselves still smell bad. Sorry, Megan. Love you. Um so yeah, the effects of that can also be mm-hmm. long term. Yeah, and they can lead to nerve damage uh, and funky like I mean, not neither of those things are great. Yeah. But. yeah. What a sport, huh? <laughs> Why do we do this? <laughs> what a sport. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> uh, okay, well, so you've done some races on a hardtail and you've also done some races on a gravel bike. What would you prefer? Ooh. A gravel bike or a and I guess obviously defines it de- depends on the race yeah, I'll, too. I'll just but, say I'm know. looking at using my hardtail for Arkansas High Country. Ooh, okay, all right. I like. I don't it. know. I like it. Drop bars. I yeah. I mean honestly I think that's the mm-hmm. way to do it unless you have a drop yeah. bar on a you know on a. I think underbiking is it's over for me. Underbiking's too hard on your body. <laughs> it may be yeah. fun for like training rides, yeah. but it's too it's hard so on hard on your body. Maybe if you're in your twenties. Agreed. <laughs> I'm in my 20s and it's still no. too hard. <laughs> um, are you a music guy on the bike? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is your favorite pump up song? Like you need to get fired up to either ride at night or pump out some threshold efforts. Like what is the song that will always get you going? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, that you say pump up song. I got to say uh, Foster the People Pumped Up Kicks. God, that, what a throwback. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
right. Oh, well, <laughs> this has it. been too Amazing. good. I don't oh, really want it to end. So but fun. Yeah. Yeah. Things are coming. We'll see you in February at Alice Sounds Conference. great. Hopefully sooner. <laughs> Let's get a ride in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We will. Sounds neighbor. like I need to get Absolutely. down to Virginia. Yeah. We'll give you Please a big come tour. Visit. It's wonderful. Thank you so, so much, good. Abe, for taking time out of your night to chat with us. Hey, I appreciate, I appreciate the invite. That was a lot of fun, guys. Bye. We appreciate you. Take care. Bye.